There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Lead with Empower podcast. This week's episode features two wonderful people, great friends, um, people who are doing some amazing stuff in the city of Middletown. We are joined today by two tremendous leaders and human beings from the city of Middletown, Connecticut Youth Services Bureau. We have the Youth Services Coordinator, Mr. Justin Carbonella, and the Diversion Program Coordinator, Miss Bonnie Daly, joining us today. Bonnie, Justin, how the heck are the two of you doing? Our heads above water, so doing, doing okay. Thanks for having us, Dan. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Appreciate you guys taking time out of your schedule today to do some recording. Bonnie, how about you? How are you today? Hanging in there, hanging in there. It's nice to be here. So thanks for having us. So uh, before we get into the episode, a year and I would say about 13 days ago was the last uh, in-person event that Empower ran in 20, in the spring of 2020 prior to the shutdown. And is it was with Bonnie and Justin from, from the Youth Services Bureau. We finished up a, a three-day you know, training workshop, and we'll get into the details of that that style of program later on. And it was on a Wednesday evening. I think we wrapped up at like seven o'clock. And I remember vividly getting in my car and my phone, you know, checked my phone and it had blown up with like emails, texts from people saying we need to adjust or we need to cancel school shutdown. And that was the start of the you know 12 plus months of, of chaos that we've all found ourselves in. So it's little full circle episode right here, which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, we know we're going to get going here. So Justin, start off, Youth Services Coordinator, tell everybody a little bit about what your role uh, in that position is with Middletown Youth Services and, you know, share some of the day-to-day -day responsibilities without it getting too, you know, I know you're responsible for a lot, but share a little bit about your role and what you do on a day-to-day, -day, Justin. Yeah, so I think the the YSB or Youth Service Bureau um, has a lot of really unique um, uh, opportunities to help impact both kids and community. You know, I think primarily uh, while we are one of a uh, hundred plus uh, Youth Service Bureaus throughout the state of Connecticut, um, each each group kind of um, does what it needs to do to kind of fill. Uh, that role within within a community. So here in Middletown, I think we primarily focus on on three things. Uh, one is youth justice reform, uh, both from a programmatic and a policy uh, standpoint, uh, making sure that we are meeting uh, and responding to behavior in ways that actually uh, improves the lives of young people and, and doesn't put them on a path where um, success is much harder. Yep. Um, we also uh, work really hard to connect um, youth and families to uh, the infrastructure that exists in, 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 in Middletown. So connecting to programs and supports uh, is a really big part of uh, the work we do. Uh, we have a lot of things to offer um, and we wanna just make sure those things are used. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, we, we really believe in youth-led social change. Um, so kind of moving past 
uh, youth leadership as um, kind of traditional volunteerism, you know, park cleanup, bake sale. Uh, not that there's not places and, and meeting to some of that work, but we, we really want to focus um, very acutely on having young people create a vision for their community and then give them the tools and resources to, to, to activate that vision. Awesome. Um, you know, and so we, we kind of day to day, we, 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 we look to do those three things. Um, and so it could go from a community meeting to a program to uh, doing communication and awareness pieces. So we're, we're, we're uh, jack of all trades, master of none potentially, but um, you know, I think that's what's made the last 15 years of this role fly by. Uh, and I can, I can see myself not only for another 15, but 1500, right? It's just every day is different. I, I, I love that, um, uh, that, that opportunity and, and the big challenges of, of, of community building. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. And then Bonnie, same question to you. So talk a little bit about your role. Yours is a little bit more specific, right? Than, than Justin's you're um, working with the, the youths in a little bit of a different capacity. Uh, give us a little insight into your role as a diversion coordinator at MYSB. Yeah. So when, and I think it shifted a little bit throughout the few years that I've been here. So when I started back in 2016, which I honestly can't believe it was that long ago, um, um, we were mostly working with cases for diversion that were first time arrest based cases. So um, that's pretty much what diversion is, is keeping kids out of certain systems. So it started off when I began as keeping kids from having to go to the court system after a first time arrest. Yeah. So engaging with us means that um, the arrest officially kind of gets cleared and erased. Um, so those, those were the cases that we were getting at first, but now it's expanded to some of the like status offense cases that we used to go to court. So now typically we can take um, truancy cases, beyond control cases, school defiance of school rule cases. So the, the cases that we can take through diversion have expanded, which is really cool um, because it means that there's a push and advocacy for young people to get connected to things in the community yeah. um, and belief that they can work through things in that. Um, but even if it's not a specific pathway like an arrest or a truancy, I think a, a big part that I see as my role is just being able to support any young person and family that needs help in Middletown. So if we get just a, a call from a family because they looked up um, something on Google and youth services in Middletown popped up, um, I, and I think we as a, as a whole team want to be able to help them however we can. Um, so I think there's kind of three prongs that I always think about and we always think about when we're working with these youth and families and specific to like the arrest based cases we're helping uh, young people figure out how they can take accountability and learn from mistakes because that's really what we see it as is a choice that was a mistake and gets gets them jammed up um, but shouldn't be hung over their head. Um, then the second thing that we always look at is supports. So if it's direct services like counseling or mentoring, we, we try to get young people connected to that um, and families as well. And then the last thing we look at is strengths and interests. Um, so like any kind of pro-social stuff that we can help them get involved in or connected to, because um, we know that that's a big protective factor too. Great. Wonderful. Um, Justin, you brought up the, the youth leadership through 
social change. And obviously in 2020, there were some very poignant in your face, very visible social justice issues in our country. And, and I know you weren't able to gather with the youth leadership groups kind of in a, in the traditional format because of the pandemic and, and, and the restrictions that we had in place, talk a little bit about, and, and you can both contribute to this answer. Um, but Justin, I'll ask you to bat lead off. Talk a little bit about the happenings, right. From, you know, the spring summer of 2020 and the impact you noticed and kind of uh, in, in the, the young adult leaders that you, you connect with and work with and, you know, where, where they took that, if they, if they were able to start to, um, you know, take steps towards social change in our city here in Middletown. Yeah. And, and so I think for a lot of folks, the moments of 2020 were a wake up call. Um, you know, I am appreciative that our work, with young people um, around kind of anti-racist leadership dates back years. And, you know, I think it comes from a place of understanding that one, recognizing that racial consciousness starts at the age of three. And so often uh, we have this misperception that we need to shield young people from complicated and challenging issues. Uh, We need to protect their innocence. Um, That is all. Not true. Um, that these, you know, these are issues that that young people care deeply about. They uh, they they see with eyes wide open. Um, uh, uh, oftentimes, um, um, they are the recipients of harm, um, yeah. and they fully know that. Um, and and so, you know, I think it's important that we, particularly with generational issues like race, right? But this, I think, goes across the board. Um, you know. We can't wait for folks to have a better and critical lens for this stuff in their mid twenties and their in their thirties and their forties. That that I think we can prepare young people, um, you know, in this, you know, <laughs> in elementary school, but particularly I, you know, I work with high school high schoolers. Um, they're they're ready to have kind of um, uh, you know a critically conscious uh, lens to youth development. You know, they they want to understand systems and systems of oppression and 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 so we've we've been um and, and this has kind of been a, a kind of a, a ysb staple in terms of our like vision for our work but like whenever there were efforts to train folks in certain things the advocacy for like let's make sure that young people are are part of this training model um and so you know some of that work dates back multiple years but you know, we've we've had young people um, um, after Charlottesville uh, on stage, kind of sharing what their vision for for um, you know community looks like. We've had young people appointed appointed to the city's human relations commission uh, to sit on those pieces, uh, engaged in, in in centering their voice um, as that group did an anti racism project to make sure that one of the focus groups was exclusively young people, so we could gather. Uh, multiple perspectives from them, not just kind of sit with one appointed person, but like really, you know, get their voices into that vision um, in a more robust way. Um, you know, and what we we saw was like kind of the intersection of 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 um, you know multiple goals of ours at once uh, in the spring. You know, um, with the inclusion and and our push for restorative communities. 
um, that, that we had one student who was trained in circle keeping um, use that modality to bring together black students because her, her experience was that, that young people were watching everything happen around them, right? Whether it was partly in Middletown and, and, and throughout the country, but no one was talking to them to them about it. No one was processing that with them. No one was activating them. And so this one particular student, you know, wanted to at least give other young adults this opportunity to, to both heal and to plan. Yeah. And so she held a two-part circle uh, around that. Um, you know, they've also worked on, on, on looking at policy they, and, and looking at um, like school-based arrests and things like that. And so, you know, there's a multitude of those things and, 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 uh, to, to cut off my, my um, uh, the potential of me rambling, right? Um, uh, which I am a gold star member of that club. Uh, <laughs> Certifies, that's a board, you're a board member of that club. Yeah, amen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not only the president, but I'm a member. Um, but, you know, but I think like, you know, it wasn't just in this moment. And, and, and so I think that the point of pride uh, for the for Middletown, but but it's, it's great to see that so many other folks were activated uh, in this way um, around this issue. But you know, hopefully that was moving to real kind of organizational, individually anti-racist behavior as opposed to um, you know posting a black square and moving on, or, yeah. or you know, or, or things that sometimes feel good but are are mostly symbolic because they don't necessarily change the environments that this stuff happens in. Awesome. And then, and then Bonnie, my follow-up I'll send to you. So Justin mentioned you had a student, you know, pretty much immediately get involved. Did you find that, um, I guess in this instance, or really any other initiatives for, for you all as adult leaders, do you find that it's like, you know, having to like coerce young adults to be involved? Or do you feel like, you know, the young adults that you've built relationships with over the years are, I think, willing and, and able to be actively involved without someone maybe prodding them to be like, Hey, you should do this, or you should do that. Give us a little bit of insight on that, Bonnie. Yeah. So I think that there's lots of young people that once they make a connection and see that they're really seen and heard and valued, um, when they're working with us, that makes them want to stay connected to us long-term, whether it's through like, uh, youth leadership stuff, like the mayoral youth cabinet, or if it's just knowing that they can reach out if they're struggling or need somebody to talk with or run something by. So I think it was a pretty interesting shift too when we moved like diversion stuff to the Zoom platform. So yeah. when things kind of shut down, we initially were like, all right, this is going to be like a couple of weeks. We're going to just push these meetings. <laughs> yeah, here we are a year later. They fooled um, us. <laughs> <laughs> right, jokes on us. Um, but when it had been, I think maybe three or four weeks, um, we had come together with the folks on our diversion team and we're like, can we make this work virtually? Um, and I think there was a lot of things to think about because a, like when I first sit down with a family, I ask a lot of really personal questions, which can feel super weird through a screen. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be, you know, it could be uncomfortable telling personal stuff to somebody you've never met and you're not actually in the room with them, which makes it even more weird. Um, but I think that we kind of rolled with it and found a way to make it feel like, not that it felt like it was in person, but like 
if a family was meeting with us and they had to be doing something simultaneously, we let them do it. Like it's also a big, a big part of keeping kids connected to us and families connected to us is them knowing that we're flexible and we know that they have a billion and five things that they're juggling on their plate. And we don't want to make things harder. Um, you know, if you need to be on the camera and talking with us and also doing the dishes or you have to run and take care of a younger child, like cool. Or if a, a young person at some point is off the camera for a minute, like that's okay. These are not things that, you know, we need to, to, to push back on and say like, you have to do this because things can still be effective and impactful. So I think, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think that a big, um, kind of learning piece out of all of this for us was needing to, and I think we've always been reasonably flexible, but as we shifted, um, learning how can we be as flexible as possible and, and let people know that we're here to help um, yeah. and recognizing that it's not only existing like challenges and stress that they had before all of this in the past year, but now there's other stuff piled on top of it. Yeah, no, and you bring up two great points there. I think, um, and this came up in an earlier episode, but the idea of leadership being, you know, arms open, welcoming versus, you know, being a gatekeeper, shutting people away. And and you just brought up that concept of, hey, we're here and we'll figure out a way to do it. And then, you know, you know I've had the pleasure of working, Justin, with you since 2010, maybe, or 2010, 2011. So almost, you know, almost 10 years. Um and you all have a similar mentality to what I feel like we have in our adventure programming is, Hey, let's meet them where they're at, right. You know, figure out where they're at, what their needs are, and then cater what MYSB does to, to find some level of alignment. And, um, yeah, I think it definitely, and it, and it shows in, in the work that you do, which we'll get into throughout the episode, but it increases engagement and it expands, you know, how long, a young adult or a family or a combination of the two will stay engaged with youth services because there is that mentality of it's not just a cookie cutter canned, here's your service, good luck. Um, there's that element of almost customization for everybody that you work with. Middletown Youth Services, right? So on the website, as I'm getting ready for the episode prep, there's five areas of function, advocacy, community involvement, management and administration, research and assessment, resource development, you know, and I'll ask each of you this question and Bonnie, I'll have you go first. Like if you're, you know, the, the so-called elevator pitch, right? So you're, you're in an elevator with somebody and you had to explain in a sentence or two, um, the impact that MYSB has on the communities here in Middletown, Bonnie, what would your kind of one or two liner be in that conversation? I think that no matter how, a young person and family is coming through our door. I think my pitch always includes framing us as a community resource hub. So like saying, I, I want to know your story. We want to know your story and individualize how we can help you through your challenges and elevate your strengths. Um, Cause I think that focusing on strengths is also a really big piece of everything um, in, and also working through challenges. Like you need to recognize the strengths. Great. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And Justin, I'll amend the rules for you. Cause I know one or two sentences is probably a big ask, especially on a Friday. So we'll go three to four sentences. Go for it. You know what I, I, I appreciate about 
the role that we've crafted for the Youth Services Bureau of Middletown is, is that we can be a kind of like a multi-tiered agent of change, right? At, at the, at the, at the, you know, and, and working at the systems level and the individual level simultaneously and, and doing what we can to bridge those two universes, right? One informing the other. Um, and, you know, when we do our best work, it, you know, a young person comes to us because of a struggle and moves over into leadership, yep. you know, and we've, we've, you know, we've had young people who were, um, you know, recognized at the state level um, for their leadership stuff, but, but joined us because they were arrested. Um, and that, you know, that we can, we can be multiple things um, to the same person. And, and to Bonnie's earlier point, oftentimes, you know, with, with the system, right? Because we are a bureaucracy, we're part of a municipal, um, um, you know, and so multiple times when young people enter a system or get contacted by a system, touch points are bad, Yeah. right? And I, 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 I hope and I, I pride ourselves on that being the inverse. Like the longer you are with us and the more connected you are with us, the better off you are. And, and really trying to create, um, you know, in, in the entire, like, I mean, you were looking at the full-time staff, yep. <laughs> um, you know, um, and, and so I, you know, I just appreciate the, the level of challenge we take into, into the work. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I could, I could probably answer this question for 45 minutes um, because I just, I think it's just so nuanced um, and that um, um, it's, it's, that's why I love it. Yep. And, and I would agree with both of you. And, and one of the coolest things, again, in our, our time, you know, collaborating is you know, I've had the experience of working with a, a youth who was in the diversion side of the programming. And, and there's this intensive skill building, experiential training that that is part of their or part of the process where they can get that wiped, wiped clean from their record. And then, you know, a year or two years down the road, doing a, a, a skill building fun outing or event with the youth, sir, or with the, uh, the mayoral youth cabinet. And there's the same individual there. And it's, it's a testament to both of you in the, I think that, that hard work, that grind to have multiple touch points and cater the touch points based on, you know, the fluid situation that is life. <laughs> right. And, you know, and often I will say, like, you know, as Bonnie talks about engagement too, like oftentimes folks will, will subconsciously create a profile of what leadership is and looks like, particularly for young people. Yeah. Uh, and then it becomes, you know, then you recruit subconsciously who those young people are. And, and, and I know this is something I, I, I have to continually be better at and, and be more uh, active in. Um, but you know, you kind of get the same type of youth in these types of programs. And yeah, the kids with the good grades, the kids that are in uh, uh, multiple 17 other things. Like, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And really that's not, and that's, uh, I think a big part of this, this whole podcast is, is, is leadership. Isn't just that it's not just an award or titles that you earn or, or, or involve it. It's your, it's your ability to influence people. And, and, you know, we've seen an example of, you know, people who, start off maybe with a very great ability to influence people down a not so great path and then fine tune those skills. Right. Keeping that same level of influence, just going in another direction. 
Right. Right. You know, the, the, the notion that, you know, leaders can lead somebody up a mountain or off a cliff. Yep. Uh, yep. You're still leading <laughs> <That's> <laughs> in right. either direction. Right. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, doing our, doing our best, you know, with the resources we have to activate as many um, youth leaders as possible and then give them the skills to then bring that leadership to wherever their passion lies. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and watching that journey is just a, a real joy. Right. Yeah. And, and not only do you, are you, do you have the privilege of, I think, watching that journey, but I think you all both, you two both make tremendous contributions to that journey. Um, and which, you know, again, I appreciate in, 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 you know, partnering with, with the two of you over the years has been an, an absolute treat um, just because it is fun to share time and space with like-minded people um, who, who care about, um, I think, you know, in your instances, caring about, you know, the youths, you know, far beyond their, you know, one hour meeting or whatever it might be. Um, hey, so a great start to the episode. Again, this is uh, Justin Carbonell and Bonnie Daly from the City of Middletown Youth Services Bureau. Um, Justin, give us a little bit of your backstory, right? How'd you, how, do, how did you end up where you are today, where you sit today, um, you know, maybe give us a little bit of, uh, you know, the journey from high school and beyond uh, and talk maybe about some leaders who influence you along the way. Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, I think some of this is in, in inherently built in some of us, right, that we've just always um, liked kind of creating space or taking care of others or taking on extra responsibility to, to, to make sure that, that the, the thing is as inclusive and as successful as possible. Um, you know, oftentimes it's a gift and a curse <laughs> uh, when we, we consider things like burnout. But, um, you know, I think if you connect the dots back, right, I think a lot of that path has, has always kind of been, been set. Um, but, you know, I think high school was a real opportunity for me to um, take some of these inherent skills that I, I might have had but didn't recognize and be given roles and responsibilities to, to activate that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I, I will, I will ha have always like really benefited from things like student council and being a class officer and um, you know, I, I felt like I thrived in those opportunities. I felt the most like myself. I felt like I, I had a role and a responsibility that was bigger and greater than myself that, you know, also was like, then became a huge protective factor for me. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's why, like, it's, it's, that's so important when we think about, you know, um, you know, keeping kids safe and healthy, you know, a lot of it is just about having young people feel like they have a role, yeah. you know? And so I'm like thankful for a guy like Jim Bransfield, who, um, you know, I took his, his politics and government class as a junior and, and I loved it so much. He pitched to me this idea that I take it again as a senior, uh, as a independent study. Okay. Right. And, and he was just like, you are thriving in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me keep feeding you this thing, <laughs> you know, and I loved it. And, 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 you know, I think like seeing adults willing to take on extra work or create new paths, um, what that does to someone's confidence, uh, sense of worth, 
right? You know, and and so, um, you know, I think that becomes that thing that I try to pay forward. Um, but but always felt like you know I, that there's always these opportunities to, to identify a problem and then figure out a solution uh, to solve it, right? Even even back like into my Yukon days, um, you know, as a, as a as an undergraduate without a computer in his dorm room, right? And so we were just starting to make that, like the university was just starting to make that shift um, from like a suitcase campus to like a, like a real, <laughs> um, you know, to a real thriving university um, because it was true. Lots of folks went home on, 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 on Saturday and Sunday uh, in the late nineties. And you know, I didn't, and I, but I needed a computer, like I needed to do work and the library closed on, on, on six o'clock on a Saturday and like six o'clock on a Sunday. And it was like, bro, <laughs> like, where do I go? Like, how do I, you know? And so, you know, I just remember like just finding a way to like connect to the right people, ask the right questions, find allies, um, um, you know, to have the verbal and written communication to, to pitch what the need was and then like getting that changed and like having exams be um, um, uh, during exam time, you know, it opened 24 or seven, right? Like that, those weren't things. Um, and, you know, I even just joke with like our high school seniors um, when, because they, they, there's a, there's a rule that uh, if you get a certain grade, you can, um, uh, you can, you don't have to take your final. Yeah. You like get the opt out of the final. Correct. Right. And like, and I remember my senior year, they were like, Justin, that's not going to happen. Don't even waste your time. And I was like, cool. I appreciate that other people have tried this, but like, I'm going to do it. You know? <laughs> and we did, and we did, and we did. Right. And it's just, I, it's just so funny that like, I was like, you owe me one. Right. So like 20 <laughs> something years later, I'm like talking to like, like seniors who I love and I appreciate uh, and it's just fun to share that story, right? As they work on similar type of stuff in that school and like this idea of like legacy and it just means so much to me. And so like for, for me to be given those opportunities or sometimes blazing those opportunities or making those opportunities myself, um, you know, it's just such a joy to be in a position in the same community that did that for me. Yeah. Um, in the same school sometimes, you know, that did that for me. <laughs> Um, to be able to return that favor and, and for a kid who like freshman year was like, I almost stayed back, Yeah, you know, cause I just, I didn't have that role. I didn't have that focus. I didn't have that vision and, and the potential and the skills were there. It was just misguided, right? Like I was more focused on making people laugh <laughs> and making friends, right? Is that like goofy kid who moved to Connecticut and like, this was my path to like fitting in and, and that shifted when adults, gave me opportunity right and built relationship with me and brought me in and and it, and, and it is it is so fun to be just in a in a role that can do do that with others now bonnie we'll get to your we'll get to your kind of journey in a second but one of my favorite justin carbonella stories and this was this had to be during your years of trying to make people laugh we were on the same summer baseball team and uh I think we might've been playing like Berlin or something along. It was a a Portland Legion ball club there. And uh, Justin engaged an athlete on the other team who wasn't playing. Justin and I were both riding the pine that day and we were taking turns coaching first base, I think. And you started a game of tic-tac-toe 
against <laughs> someone on the opposing team. And that's, oh, it was an adult. It, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it, may, it makes me laugh to this day because, you know, in hindsight, we probably should have been better teammates involved in what was going on in the process. But it was it was an opportunity to have some fun. And I think he took full, full advantage of that. And I would probably say they might have beaten us on the diamond that day, but we definitely dominated the uh, – first base coach box tic-tac-toe tournament I, I will say this i remember vividly that right and i i that might have been and if derek schultz if you're listening it might have been a couple games after he i slid back into first base and he split my nail open um uh which was a, a mess um <laughs> and so i remember pl- like drawing the tic-tac-toe lines going out there and as it progressed i remember <laughs> I had him two ways. And so I went back in the, I remember I went back in the dugout and, and just hyped everyone up. And we knew that this grown man was going down back to that slab of dirt to see that 16 year old beat him in tic-tac-toe. And he looked down and I just remember him kicking the dirt and messing up the thing. That was it. That was the and white flag. Look at us, and we just like you know erupted with laughter. Um, you know, so it's those moments, right? It's also those moments of like humility and humor that that also get us by. Absolutely, Justin. Great, great story. Appreciate it, Bonnie. Give everybody a little bit of insight into your background and and what brought you you know to youth services in Middletown, and you know maybe a person or two that had an impact on you along the way as well. Yeah. So. I, I, I remember when I was like a real little kid, I used to have it in my mind that I was going to be a professional figure skater, which I never even learned how to ice skate, mind you, but I had it said that that was going to happen. So that didn't, did not work out for me. Um, Not too late, Bonnie. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I, I think I've just always kind of like Justin said, like some people just sort of have it in their personality to to be in these kind of like helping professions and professions that like help make connections with people. So I think that I've always just kind of been a pretty even keel, like peacemaker connector type person. Um, And I think that's kind of what I guess drove me to, to want to do some of this work. Um, And in high school, there is definitely one teacher that sticks out as an influence to me. Um, and I think what sticks out about her is that she really, I think, took the time to get to know each student and make them feel like I see you as an individual. You're not just like a kid sitting in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's probably why she sticks out to me, like, because you could feel that she really cared and she wanted to, to know about you. Um, and, and if you needed to talk with her, she was super down to earth. Um, so I, I definitely admire that, um, and admired that back then too. Um, and I've always had, I've always been really close with my family. So, you know, my parents, grandparents, three older siblings, they've always been role models and supporters. And I appreciate each and every one of them and see them as influences, um, to this day still, obviously. Um, and so past high school, um, I studied human development and family studies at UConn. And while I was 
doing that. Um, I also started that's so an undergrad is when I kind of started working with young people and kids um, just to make, you know, make a little bit of money while I was in school. Um, I started working at the YMCA um, in Weathersfield and they had like a before and after school program. So it worked really well with my classes. And when I had that job, I think is, is really when I figured out that the social work is, is what I wanted to do for a career. And I think I figured that out because of particular young people that I worked with in that program. Um, so there's one, one student that actually sticks out to me who, you know, came to, to our program and it was a limited amount of time that they were with us. Um, I think it was like an hour, an hour and a half before school. Um, and then a couple hours after school, but came to us and had, um, some pretty disruptive behaviors. And when it came to the root of it, we learned that this student had all this stuff going on at home. Um, and I think that just taking the time to really know that student's story and starting to figure out like experiences really shape people and, and impact their ability to function with the world. Um, I think that's what kind of inspired me to start is that one student, honestly. Um, and he, I actually wrote about the student in my application for grad school. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I, and I think just like, as like a young 18 year old kid back then, I didn't necessarily make all of the connections, but it was a starting point. Um, so I, you know, I, I took some time between undergrad and grad school, um, I worked at a therapeutic foster care agency doing some social work stuff prior to YSB. Um, and I think there was a, a, a real opportunity for growth um, to figure out who I am as a social worker. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I have multiple mentors from, from that job too. Um, and then fast forward to 2016, when I started at YSB, I, I'm certainly really grateful for ways that I've been able to, I think, grow and learn more about myself personally and professionally here um, through opportunities of working with this team. So that's kind of what brought me here. Awesome. Awesome. Now, both of you brought up a couple challenging moments. One, realizing that you weren't going to be a professional figure skater, Bonnie and, and Justin's. And I, I, I again, I, I loved the college experience of not having a computer in my room. All right. And then having to, you know, hoof it to the library or the computer lab. I think they were called back in, back in the day. Um, and Bonnie, I'll stay with you. Um, uh, but, you know, empower We're you know, and I, and I, we've had these types of conversations as well. Um, but, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, those moments when we fail or fall short in our lives have a tremendous impact, you know, even more so than the moments when we achieve like the, the greatest success in, in, you know, a given situation. Bonnie, is there a moment in, you know, your life prior to Middletown Youth Services where you failed, you fell short that sticks with you to this day in a positive light, I guess. And Justin, the same question will go to you next. Um. A, like a specific experience right now, I'm not thinking of, of one specifically, but I, I will say that it has not always been easy for me to be a, a little assertive um, and kind of speak my mind. And I think that it's taken some time to gr for me to grow in, in that way. 
Um, so I think that, you know, as a, a kid, I, I had challenges with that again, not maybe not specific moments that are sticking out right now, but kind of just like coming into my own skin and, and being confident in that, um, has been a a journey. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question, but I guess in, in like, what would you say? And even without, without have, without having a specific incident to, to recall, looking back on that time, is there like a, an internal trigger maybe when you say, Hey, Bonnie, this is the time to step, you know, step up and, and not just sit back. Is there something that you were able to take away from, you know, that experience when you were younger and now apply that to your day to day now? Um, I, I honestly think it just goes back to, to having a support system, um, and having people that say like, if you want to do this, you can, um, and having like, I don't want to say cheerleaders, but kind of like cheerleaders along the way to, to boost you up and help you learn and grow. Um, and I think that's, what's helped me, um, get to a point where I think I, I can be assertive, um, and I can speak my mind and, um, yeah, it's, it's meaningful for me to, to think about how far I think I've come with some of that stuff for sure. And then, and I'm sure you see it now play out in your work, working with, young adults to help them find their voice and to speak out in a way that, um, you know, create, creates positive change as well. And so how, I guess, talk on that dynamic a little bit, like, Hey, you know, young adult, I was in your shoes and didn't really want to speak up. Wasn't really confident to speak up, but here are some ways that maybe, you know, you might find your voice. So talk a little bit about that, Bonnie. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's probably one of the most rewarding pieces I think about, this job is being able to work with young people and help them realize what they're capable of. Um, and that if they push themselves out of their comfort zone, how much they can grow. Um, like even thinking to certain activities that we would do out at finding your way at empower. Um, I, I think of a specific group that we had and there was, a, and I listen, you know, that I've struggled to get up on those zip lines. <laughs> Um, so I, 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 I feel for, for the young people that struggle with it too. Um, but again, to the earlier point, I think it's important to, to have people, young people see your vulnerabilities and see that, you know, even as an adult, there's going to be moments that you struggle with, but you have people around you that will support you through it. So I'm, I'm thinking of a, a, you know, particular time where there was a young person who, was absolutely not going to go across that zip line, but the group of other students cheered him on and he, and he made it across. Um, so seeing things like that, and that's like a really tangible moment, but I, yeah, I think just helping. And I think that's a big part of leadership too, is, is helping other people realize what they're capable of and that leadership can look really differently for different people. Awesome. Awesome. Well done, Bonnie. Appreciate it. Justin, same question, a moment where you maybe failed or fell short in something, you know, in your earlier life and, and, and how that plays out in a positive manner today. You know, I think if I'm reflective of, of past failures, I think that there, there's consistently a theme for me in, uh, in action. Right. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've, always prided myself on being just a really strategic person. Mm -hmm. 
um, and and that you know every decision is th three or four decisions out, right? Like that that we're really kind of thinking uh, about the ripple effect and the consequences and 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 a focus that is often on the long con, right? Like making decisions that are always five years out, not not what what makes most sense and makes me feel best in this moment, uh, but but what is in the the kind of the long term success of services me or whatever and so i but i do think like that type of that type of default thinking for me um uh and also the push to always seek depth over speed mm -hmm. um has allowed me to miss opportunities you know so if you, if you if you talk about the way back machine you know i i will um I will always regret the decision I made to not run for student body president of UConn. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was really struggling with that decision. Um, you know, I had been multiple years on the undergraduate student government and, and felt like this was a moment, I, I, a natural evolutionary moment in my leadership there at the university. And I can talk to a professor. At the time, my path was law school. Um, and you know, his advice, which I regret taking was like, does this either bring, you know, this binary decision of this, does this bring you closer to law school or do, does it not? And um, I decided to, at the last minute, step back yeah. uh, and withdraw uh, and, um, you know, saw that kind of decision to, to of inaction, um, um, you know, to be regrettable, right? Because I think I would have, I would have enjoyed that experience, and hopefully would have been able to help folks. Um, you know, and I see that often reflecting in in moments in in real time in this role, right? And and weighing the political costs of certain decisions or statements or actions, and um, and and seeking the feeling like I need more information, like I need a deeper understanding of this. Uh, has often then um, had me miss opportunities or, or, or miss moments where I couldn't, I, I maybe could have been a better advocate or ally. Um, and, and so I am, I am, you know, knowing my weaknesses is, is important and, and I don't always address them. <laughs> and I don't always act on, on the recognition of those things. But, you know, I, I, do, I do feel like it's, it's, it's helped inform me to a degree um, uh, and I have a default to be very careful. Yeah, um, and and just making sure that 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 level of carefulness isn't one of comfort, um, but one of strategy, and um, you know, so I'm not just doing things because it's just it's easier to, to not do it. Yep. No, great answers, both of you, and um, you know, Bonnie, I laughed because I know getting you in a harness and up on the zipline course was always uh, there was a little coercion involved. I think at times, and uh, it wasn't the easiest of uh, experiences for you and. Justin, you were pretty quiet when Bonnie brought that up, but I, I remember maybe it was a, a pretty big, pretty big challenge for you getting up there every once in a while as well. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, um, you know, Bonnie touched on this, right? It, you know, especially in the, the finding your way, the diversion program, like the ability to, in a short period of time, try to develop some rapport or trust with a group of eight to 10 young adults that most of them don't want to be part of the program when it starts. And there's, there's battles that go on, you know, throughout to try to keep them engaged and realizing that, you know, Hey, we're not here just to be 
a pain in the rear end for three days, right? We're, we're hoping it's, a, it's an experience that like a light bulb goes off and say, oh, I can avoid this decision that got me in trouble, you know, next time it comes up. Um, just talk a little bit about um, the importance of developing relationships, right, in the work that you do. And, you know, leadership's different. Everybody does it different. Everybody develops relationships with uh, differently. Justin, and we'll start with you. Like, hey, relationships are important because, and my style of building relationships is? You know, I think relationships are everything. I think it is, it is, that notion is baked deeply into our theory of change. Um, you know, whether, whether it's diversion or, or, or direct services or advocacy out in the universe, I think we, we do, I think firmly believe that relationships are one of the strongest protective factors and more so a, a driver of, of, of thriving youth. And, you know, I think what folks sometimes fail to recognize, particularly in diversion settings or like programmatic work that is um, a response and a mandate, you know, like finding a way is, yep. is, is, you know, young people don't sign up for finding a way. It's kind of baked into our diversion process. Yep. And that um, whether it's with, whether it's a young person in, in a diversion meeting um, or this is that like the brain seeks patterns, and particularly for this population of, of youth, many of them have been chronically disciplined for years and years and years and years, and they are used to be treated a certain way as a result of their behavior. Yeah which uh, we hope to not replicate. And I think oftentimes folks will see that kind of defiance, right? Whether it's, you know, based on posture or lack of eye contact or um, a pr presentation of disinterest and, and read that as signs of disrespect personal like a personal attack almost agree right like i don't respect you i don't respect what you're trying to do you know you're not important right like you know and if folks will then shut down as a result of a young person presenting themselves that way in their presence and i think we recognize that as a as a signal of like we just need to do more work to bring you in right and that relationship building is a process um, and it takes a lot of intentional design work, yeah. you know, and that, that honestly, you know, and, and, and we've, we've seen this to be the case. Like we, we remodeled some of our, um, diversion team meetings when they moved to zoom, because we knew as Bonnie said, it was going to be awkward. Yeah. And so we, we, we established two rounds of introductory questions that the young person gets to pick. Oh, nice. And so we give them five, Bonnie gives them five questions. They pick which of the two that they want to have be the introductory rounds. And man, has that, look, it just made such a difference in those meetings um, in terms of like disarming um, ourselves, like the, the young person for feeling like this is going to be a space of criticism and judgment. Um, and, 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 and I think it allows the adults in the room to sow some humor, to sow some humility, uh, which which paves the way for making relationship work in real time yeah. easier and smoother. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think oftentimes folks 
allow things that don't matter to get in the way, right? Even as like Bonnie talked about like, you know, young people being off camera or, you know, we, we had a parent who was in between shifts in a meeting with us. And like, when they weren't talking, they were in the background doing dishes yeah. and, and making the active choice to say, that's okay. That's not going to bother me. Yeah. Right. Cause we, as like, you know, leaders, right. We can make decisions. We can make active choices about how we respect people, how we dignify people and what building a relationship is and can be. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, you know, I, I'm really just proud of like the team that we have um, that just knows what to focus on uh, and, and what the values are. And, and we just don't let these like the things that don't matter distract us from the things that do. Great, great answer. And Bonnie, I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. It'll be on, on a similar topic, but if you had to share a bit of advice or wisdom, right? So I'm going to go to Justin's example of the, the youth or young adult who has some behavioral issues in school and the, the discipline, <laughs> the discipline arrows are just being <laughs> shot left and right over a prolonged period of time for a teacher, a coach, uh, another sort of youth leader um, who might be struggling to connect with that quote unquote, you know, tough kid, right. Or that, 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 that bad kid. And I know that's not the, the case, right. But you, we've, we've all heard people say it's just, uh, he's, he's just a bad kid or she, nope, not the case for someone who's struggling making those connections. What sort of, you know, Bonnie, based on your experiences, what sort of advice or wisdom, you know, would you share with them to, help maybe bridge the gap between where you are and where, and where they are. Yeah. And I, I think to start just your point to, you know, they're not bad kids. I can't tell you how many times I'll have parents that in our first initial meeting, they'll say they're not a bad kid. And I say, I know. (laughs) And I, and I think that they say that because they're, you know, when somebody's struggling, they get all of these things attached to them that they're bad. When, so I think that my, my first piece of advice is to ask the student, like, what's like, what's going on? Like, how are, like, how are you? How are you feeling? And, you know, I'm noticing th- these things that it seems like you might be having a tough time. Like what's going on? How can I help? And that's not to say that a young person is going to open up right away, but I think that recognizing like, Hey, I'm, I see you that something's going on what's behind it because there's pretty much always a feeling or a need that's expressed by behavior. Um, I also think that patience is really key. Um, you know, I, I think back to times where there's been like, I've had to reschedule intakes a few times, like a student shows up and, and just won't talk, but I, we don't just push them back to court. We try again and we've seen it be successful. Like, I think it's also to important, it's really important to recognize that it's hard for, for young people and families to, to meet new people. And that even though we're this system that's built, that's intended to help people, a lot of families haven't had experiences that make them be able to trust that systems are going to help them. So we need to give it time to, to let them, to prove, to prove in a way to them that we're going to help them and yeah. we want to help them. Um, so I think 
patience and active listening um, and just calling it like it is like, hey, I see something is going on. Is is everything okay? Like sometimes I think that gets lost just asking like, is everything all right with you? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and, and Justin, I don't know if you wanted to add on to there, but you know, something that popped out of my head too, is like, it's not just ask once like, Hey, something seems off. How's everything? Oh, they didn't respond to that. I tried to connect. They didn't respond. So I would even add like persistence to that and maybe not be annoying and not needle. But um, if you don't get, like Bonnie said, you, if somebody shows up to the first intake meeting who doesn't speak to you for a half hour straight, it's not just kicking them to the curb and say, Hey, good luck kid. It's let's try it again. And maybe we get a sentence next time, but that's better than nothing the first time. <laughs> progress is progress. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Justin, go ahead. Did you want to add? Uh, you know, I think young people have good BS meters. Oh yeah. You know, and they, they just, I think there's, I think there's, there's a, they, they know when, when folks are like inauthentically asking them how they are or asking them questions and it, it feels very perfunctory or procedural and, you know, and, and who cares? And, and I, I think to Bonnie's point, like there are some young people who have been mistreated by adults for so long that like, it's not going to, it's not going to be a singular conversation that moves the needle. And we have to understand that and be okay with that. Yeah. And, and what we know about the impact of trauma on folks ability to trust folks and how their brain works. And, um, you know, that, that both like behavior is often a mechanism of, 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 of trauma. Um, and, and that, you know, they're just relationships take time and, and being okay with that. And also understanding that like, it may, you just may not click with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you also may not. And, and, and that happens, like, yeah. you know, you, you still have to treat them with respect yeah. um, and, and, um, and, and help them through the process that we are trying to run. Awesome. Um, I think that's really important too. Awesome. You guys are crushing it right now. We're uh, we're on the on the back nine here, or the back stretch of it. Um, you know, two of the as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I've had the you know pleasure to partner with, you know, MYSB on the Finding Your Way Diversion Program, and then also do do some events. And we have a couple events we have to figure out some time to reschedule at some point when when this whole thing is lifted with the youth cabinet uh, in particular. But um, Bonnie. Talk a little bit about the diversion program and the finding your way element, you know, prior to COVID-19, I guess, because I know that's, that's changed over the year. Um, talk about that program and from your point of view, the impact you feel it's had on the young adults who've gone through, um, you know, the meetings, the circle, the, the family conversations, the the skill building work, all, you know, the, all the nuts and bolts that I guess that make up the, the diversion experience with Middletown Youth Services. Sure. So I think it's, it is interesting to see because sometimes we have young people coming to finding your way at different points in the process. So there's like, if a, if a young person comes to a circle for their diversion team meeting in the middle of January, they probably typically wouldn't come to finding your way until like April when it's nice enough outside. Um, And then there's some, if they're coming through and they're coming in for an intake and we have a couple spots left and I know it's coming up, sometimes they'll come before they even come to that meeting with the group. So I think it's interesting to see with young people 
who there's already, there's a little bit more of like a rapport and relationship built, how they initially come into that group and how we can actually mobilize that relationship that's already been built. Um, but so, so finding your way, and this is kind of usually how I, or we explain it to families. Um, so it's a, it's a program that is really based a lot on building decision-making skills, um, frustration tolerance, problem solving, uh, recognizing goals for the future, um, figuring out what, what kind of internal skills need to be built to avoid a similar situation, a similar situation in the future. Um, and also recognizing external supports and an environment that young people can rely on when they are going to struggle. Um, because I think we're always pretty honest with them in that program. Like there are going to be times throughout your, your life that you're going to struggle and you're going to need these skills. And I think that's why I really value that program is even though it's short, I do think it can make a really big difference. Um, especially because there's like multiple learning kind of modalities in it. So there's the team building stuff. Um, that's a lot of tangible activities. Um, and it's always really cool to see you run those games and stuff, Dan. Um, there's like the conversations that we'll have like debriefs there's journaling so there's opportunity for young people to kind of privately reflect on things um and then the you know the adventure-based stuff I think is really big for for some kids too in in recognizing what they can overcome and and be capable of um so just overall I think it's it might be a 10-hour program but there's so much room for growth and figuring out where they can go beyond that 10 hours. Um, it's been really cool to see some, some young people, you know, from day one to day three shift, um, in, in attitude and engagement in jumping in and taking on a leadership role. Um, it's just really great to see. One of the cool parts, and and Bonnie touched on this earlier, and there's 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 been multiple instances, whether it was kind of the the, the introduction to the off the ground experience, which was what was a, a tree climb, a high ropes climbing element, and then the zip lining course. We've had the young ones, the the young adults who, you know, I can't, I can't, and you know, Bonnie does a great job of of building the trust and and to to help them just take that, like find that courage to take that, you know. Hey, it's one step, right? Just do one in the beginning. We'll see, you know, you never know. You might be able to take another one. You might not, but at least you took one. Um, I think one of the most valuable lessons too is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the young adults that I've had the privilege of working with were caught up in like a group of us were doing something that was against the law. Right. And it's so easy to go along with the group. And, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of the more impactful moments is when you, when you have that conversation, like, Hey, it's going to be tough as hell when you have to say no to your friends in the real world. And this is a controlled opportunity for you to practice the the courage and, and discover the courage that you have inside of you to, you're going to say yes to this adventure experience, which hopefully is going to, you know, provide, I guess, the data for you to say, you know what, I have the courage. If I had the courage to say yes to this, I'm going to have the courage to say no, to keep me out of a sticky situation down the road. And, 
those are always fun, you know, because mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then they do the first one and maybe the jaw is still clenched and they're still, mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, it's like, Hey, miss, can we do it again? Or miss can we do it again? And that's, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when you, I think when you had it, had that impact at that point. So. Yeah. And it's, um, it's just an altogether different environment and different way to interact with, with them too, which for me is a really cool experience. Um, like just hearing them be like, you're going to do that probably (laughs) because they think I can't because I'm old, but, um, older. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a really awesome experience for, for me too. Um, just to be able to be in that different kind of setting. Um, You know, and, and, and just, you know, uh, along with that, right. I think it's like, it's important to put like what we know about adolescent brain development into this. Right. And to, you know, Dan, to your point about, you know, we were with a group of, of folks and, and like knowing that the, the adolescent brain act actively fires differently when they are in the presence of their peers and risk-taking behavior uh, increases as a result of that, that particular brain active activation. Um, and along with that, right. Like how, the, the lack of a fully developed prefrontal cortex um, uh, creates pathways or, or the limits their pathways for them to make good decisions in real time. Yeah. And, and, you know, I love the, like, it doesn't matter what group of students we are working with at any point in time, right? Diversion, youth cabinet, right? Like we, we the intentionality of putting them into an activity that will almost always fail the first time you do it because inevitably they will, you will set up the parameters and without thinking and without talking, they'll try to do it. Yep. (laughs) They will fail miserably, right? Yelling at each other, yelling at themselves, like, you know, attacking themselves, attacking others, right? Like, you know, they will default into that like failure and then failure identity, right? And 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 the intentionality of holding them safely in that space and then saying, okay, that didn't work. Why didn't that work? How can this be different this next time? Yeah. Right? And then like holding them in that space as they work through the process of developing a plan <laughs> and testing that plan and then restructuring that plan, right? Because the communicating, start, communicating functionally with each other. <laughs> right, right. And recognizing that you need, like, you might be mad as hell at, like, Timmy right now, but you're going to need Timmy to do this. Yep, <laughs> or yep. You can't do pipeline down three people, right? Like, everybody needs to contribute to moving this 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 pipeline, you know? And, and so, you know, that is, I think, so structurally important, right? Because, like, they that's how young people learn, right? And, like, we, we have to recognize how their brains work and how they learn and, and giving them these opportunities very intentionally in, 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 in environments where failure is expected and encouraged. Um, and, and like, you know, and, and I think this is a theme throughout diversion, right? Is the separation of deed from doer. Yeah. Yo, this happened. Accountability is fixing the mess. It's not feeling bad about what you did. Yeah. 
you know, and just working them through that process of saying, all right, that didn't work. How do I make it better this next time? Right. And whether that's because you got in a fight with somebody or you're literally trying to move a golf ball through PVC piping, yeah. um, you know, just keeping to that theme and being, you know, the body's point, being that model too. It's like, do sometimes doing these things with them, um, you know, is, is really just, I think a really valuable experience for them. Absolutely. So, and I think you both touched on this. Uh, again, I'll use an example of just a random adult leader, teacher, coach, uh, another youth service programmer or park and rec program or whatever it might be. I think so often we see instances where youths and young adults are sheltered so much from failing, right? It's my child has to make the team and play or has to get at least an A in this class or an A minus in this class. So, and I agree with you both, but my understanding is like in controlled perceived risk environment, failure is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful learning tool for young adults. So anybody that's working with youths, as long as the parameters are in place that it's perceived and not real risk, let letting an adult, a young adult fail and then providing the support and coaching to try to get them back on track and improve skills that allow them to make different decisions next time is, is a great way for them to learn something that they're going to be able to use in the rest of their life. Go ahead, Justin. Well, yeah. And so th there's a real difference between natural con consequences and manufactured consequences. Yeah. Right. Like the notion that you like touch a stove and you burn your hand, right. Or you walk outside in the rain without an umbrella and you get wet, like, you know, you don't study hard enough for a test and, and maybe you, you pay a price, right? Like, our, our con natural consequences to preparation and planning. And, 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 and so um, sheltering folks from those natural consequences isn't necessarily good. Now, how we punish folks as a result of those things, I think is what matters, yeah. you know? And, and, you know, I think we, we often try to attach notions of accountability to those consequences. And, and but then those accountability is really tied to punishment and punishment is really tied to pain. And, and I think that is very divergent from the way we think about diversion work and, and these things. Like you, you, a natural consequence occurs and let's help you now rethink about what you did and rework a new path forward, right? Like, yeah. you know, that's even like the notion of like you take a test and you get a 50, why not be able to retake, like learn what you did wrong, relearn it so you get it right and retake the test, yeah. right? Like if the, if the goal and the outcome is learning. Not, yeah, not a letter grade, it's learning, right? Yeah, it's learning, right? Yeah. If the outcome is learning, then let's, let's, let's create up pathways that allow that learning to happen, right? Yeah. You know, and I, but I think we, we, we often will like manufacture additional consequences to natural consequences. And then I think that's where we create roadblocks for growth. Yeah. Yeah. Agree a hundred percent. And, and I, I love what you just brought up, like the support and the coaching and the, and the resources to build the skills of, Hey, to reflect on what happened, why it happened and what we could do better next time. Right. Simple concepts. And that's where really, you know, development happens. <laughs> it's not from you failed, you know, you can't, you can't go hang out with friends you know, whatever those manufactured punishments might be. We, we touched on the diversion program, finding your way. Um, one of my favorite programmatic moments was an overnight experience with the mayoral youth cabinet. 
And <laughs> I think Justin was probably referring to this a couple of moments ago. Um, but before we get into that, just tell everybody, tell the listeners what the youth cabinet is and, you know, maybe some of the initiatives that they bring to the city of Middletown and then uh, maybe share our little overnight uh, capital acquisition activity story. <laughs> You know, so um, the, the male youth cabinet is, is a program that's been uh, in place, I think, for about seven years uh, here in Middletown. Um, you know, it's the evolutionary outgrowth from a process we created prior to that called Youth in Government, yeah. where we appointed um, students to boards and commissions throughout the city of Middletown. Um, and while we felt like that process was good and important, there was also a, uh, a distinction in not only just placing young people at tables, but giving them their own table to themselves, right? Where they can control the agenda, um, the, they were the central focus. And so the mayoral youth cabinet was intended to do just that, right? And, and to look at kind of, you know, this notion of critically conscious youth development, that, that youth development, you know, like, and I mentioned before, like, you know, they're, you know, often we think of like youth leadership or, or you know, as being like, you know, kind of traditional involvement in certain things. And, and we just want to make sure that we young people know that like you can do those things, but like youth, youth leadership, it shouldn't be limited to just that. Yes. You know, and, and so, you know, we, we give them space and an opportunity to kind of bring up issues that are important to them or discuss issues as they transpire and ask, is there a role you'd like to play? Uh, and then when those things happen, it's about giving them the resources and the tools and, and uh, the access to things to then work through them, yeah. you know. And so sometimes it's a matter of like uh, giving back, you know, plain and simple. And so Films on Foss is a great example of that, right? Like young people created this um, uh, outdoor movie series where we show, you know, two to four free movies uh, at Wesleyan every year, right? And that was just a way to give back. Um, you know, completely youth run, completely youth coordinated. I mean, Foss Hill has been around this community for hundreds of years, but it took a 16 year old to go, wouldn't it be cool if we watched a movie there, right? Like, you know, and, and it just became this like, you know, hopefully a staple of summers in Middletown for, for, for years to come. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, right? Like, you know, I, dating back like four or five years, um, uh, and then this, you know, in an escalation of of um, uh, tension between communities and police, that that you know, uh, um, ultimately led to I think you know, one week where there were two uh, civilian shootings and then an attack on police in Dallas. We sat down and we processed what's going on in our country and are there ways for young people to actively work on this issue here in Middle. Right, that we can create a better mechanism for re for relationships between police and youth, and so it cultivated in like three years of work, three or four years in work where they were going out like we were writing to like emailed folks who were running a police and youth training that was meant specifically for just police officers, and we got two like teenagers to be able to sit in on this thing and observe it, and then you know have a kind of critical lens on like oh my goodness is this helpful or not. Right. And it was great because the trainers like I've been giving this training for like over a decade. And this is the first time that a teenager's ever been in the audience as we <laughs> talk about teenagers. Right. You know, and they like did their own research. They reached out to folks and, and they created this like 20 point plan about like how do we like look at policy? How do we look at program? How do we look at relationships? 
um, with an active thing about like, you know, this, this is a relationship that needs to be strengthened. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be better understood. It requires like, you know, work um, across the board, but it really requires a system kind of owning uh, this issue, like the municipality owning this issue and, 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 um, and, and working through a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, and so it could, um, um, you know, we're hoping to do a podcast uh, at some point in the near future. And so, but it's about just essentially at, at the base level, just giving young people a place where they can authentically be themselves, bring their issues to the table, be listened to, be supported. Uh, and they will often say, like, this is the only place we get to talk about this stuff. Yeah. This is the only place that will actively ask us about what our concerns and our dreams and our fears and our, our hopes are for, for, the, for ourselves in this community, you know? And so, um, you know, it's a great, it's a, it's a great group from that perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really proud of the work that they've, they've have been doing and, and will continue to do um, in Middletown. Awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies and gents, we're on the home stretch right here. We're going to finish the drill with a few quick hit question responses. Uh, we're joined on the lead with empower podcast. Great friends, Justin Carbonella and Bonnie Daly from Middletown youth services bureau. They are awesome human beings doing some tremendous work in the city of Middletown. Um, thank you both again for taking time uh, to join us today. And we're going to start Bonnie. You're going to, you're going to be on the hot seat first. Tough year in 2020, but what's one silver lining from last year for Middletown Youth Service Bureau? Oh, that's a tough one. Because um, I think that there's many. Um, but for us as a team, I think just being able to stay up and functioning through everything and being upright. <laughs> awesome. Justin, same mm -hmm. thing. Silver lining from 2020. It's a good question, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the, the uh, silver lining for 2020 is that um, we at least could be a space that supported youth through an insane crisis. Um, and so, um, and that, you know, at least there was technology that allowed us to stay connected in a way that was substandard to how we normally like to be with folks, yeah. but that it existed um, and, and we were able to hold space for at least a small group of students um, uh, to, to get them through this. Awesome. There was a solution. Well done. Well done. All right. First one's done. Second question, Justin, we'll stay right with you. Your favorite part of working at Middletown Youth Services Bureau and why? Every day is different. Awesome. Bonnie, favorite part and why? I think just because it's so collaborative and we're like a cohesive kind of unit. Um, and we, if one person's struggling, we kind of work to pick each other up um, and do whatever we need to get through the day. <laughs> awesome. Bonnie, we're going to stay right with you. Uh, leadership quality you feel like you have that you feel is important to try to pass along or teach to the youths and young adults that you're in contact with at, at Middletown Youth Services? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd say being present and being an active listener. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, same question. Every problem has a solution. Great. Last one. The youth that you both interact 
inspire you because dot, dot, dot. Justin, we'll stay with you. Because they are smarter and braver than I am. <laughs> awesome. Great answer. Great answer. Body. I'd say because they are each unique, they're resilient. And I think that we as adults can learn a lot from them. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Justin, before we wrap up the episode, again, I, I Bonnie and Justin, I, I thank you both for, for, for taking some time. It's been a great, great pleasure to catch up too. I feel like prior to the pandemic, we'd see each other at least a couple times a month and it's been a long time. Can't wait to check out the new digs downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, and really more importantly, can't wait to see you both in person at some point down the road. But uh, Justin, how can people in Middletown find out about Middletown Youth Services, website, social media, that type of stuff. And I'll include this in the show notes as well. Um, so we are, uh, we have a lackluster presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, at mtownysb. Uh, I will say we are, we are probably too busy doing the work than, uh, to, to talk about the work, um, but <laughs> you, can, you can find us at all three spaces. Um, uh, also on the city's website, um, if you go to departments and youth services, you'll, you'll find us there. Uh, you can also sign up for our weekly Friday Five newsletter, which, which tries to give folks uh, five things to uh, read, watch, listen to, or attend, um, and, and help kind of frame the way that our community can be really uh, good places to support young people. Awesome. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Bonnie Daly and Justin Carbonella. They lead with Empower. Justin, that was uh, the two of you just hit a judging in blast out, out of the park right there. I appreciate you both for, <laughs> for a great episode. And uh, hey, and, and, and listeners, if you take, especially adults who work with youths, um, if you take something from this episode, it's, it's probably not personal if you're having a youth that might be presenting some, some challenges in your classroom, on your team, or in your group. You know, try to build the relationship, take time to be authentic and, and put yourself out there and, and make the connections because you'll find that uh, um, it isn't personal and there, there's a plan, there's a way to overcome and adapt and, and be productive together. So thanks again for checking out the Lead with Empower podcast. Have a great rest of the week. Be safe, be kind and get after it. We'll see you next time. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.